This is Michelle Stevenette and April Judd with Mind Body Boss, episode 68, Modesty with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Welcome to Mind Body Boss. This is the podcast for people who know our minds and bodies are connected, they affect one another, and the more we learn how they operate, the more we get to be the boss of our life experience. I'm your host, Michelle Stevenette. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I've got April with me again. Say hi. Hi, hi guys. <laughs> We're going to do a customer review or it says customer review, but it seems like it should be listener review. But anyways, this one comes from Zuboo2000. I want to tell you thank you so much for this review, Zuboo2000, titled Part of My Morning Routine. And Zubu2000 says, I have come to truest love listening to this podcast. She has such a wonderful way of giving me a new perspective on things that are hard in life and then a big heart. So thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking the time to leave that review. I'm grateful that you are finding new perspectives on things that are hard in your life. So glad you're enjoying this and sharing the love. So thank you so much, Zubu, and to everyone else who has left a review. Thank you so much. And April is going to introduce our guest today, April. We are lucky. So you've had her on this podcast before, Mm -hmm. and we are so lucky to have her here again. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife is here today. Yay. And she's going to talk to us about modesty. And if if Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, I know it's like a mouthful, but if Dr. Finlayson Fife is new to you, then you're in for a real treat. Um, She is an LDS relationship and sexuality educator and coach, and she comes on all sorts of podcasts, Mm -hmm. and we are lucky enough to have a brand new library of all the podcasts that she appears on, on Apple and Spotify, so you can find her archive there. So amazing. I would definitely search that. You can also find her on Instagram at Fife. And on her Instagram, she posts all sorts of amazing things. One of her most recent announcements is she holds these couples retreats. And the next one is in France Mm. in 2020. And I know there's only a few spots available. So go check that out on her website. Oh, I wonder if I could tuck my husband into that. I know, right? In France. Like, come on. With Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Like, you'd have all of her amazing knowledge on this couple's retreat. One of my favorite things that Dr. Finlayson Fife does is she has these online classes. And I personally have taken the Women's Desire course and how to talk to your kids about sex course. Oh, so important. So important. She is phenomenal. She just tackles these tough topics and just does it with such grace and so much knowledge. She is Fantastic. So without further ado, we are so lucky Yay. to talk to Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. All right. Here's that interview. Thank you so much for being willing to do this once yeah. more. Yes, my pleasure. So excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Like to be a part of a Jennifer Finlayson Fife interview. She's been very excited. I'm like your fanboy. I've taken your desire course. Your oh, great. Sex course. Great. That's awesome. Okay, modesty. I'm amazed at what a hot topic this has been. I've been hearing yeah. people really kind of um, <laughs> take issue yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just want to start with just defining it. Like, what, in terms of for the scope of today's conversation, I guess, 
your definition, I guess. What is it and what is it not? Okay, good. I mean, I won't be as articulate as if I were reading out of, a, out of a dictionary, perhaps, but I tend to think of it as sort of the state of being unassuming, of being somewhat humble about your strengths and assets and capacity. So it isn't to deny or repress or be ashamed of strength, resources, capacity that you have, nor is it to flaunt it and use it to exploit. Mm, okay. And so it is a moderation in it. It's part of the word. Mm -hmm. I love that definition because I guess when we get into what is it not. <laughs> mm, right. Exactly. Uh, I think is what everyone thinks it is. That's right. Yes. yes. A lot of times, and I think, I don't know if this is more cultural or what within the church, I don't know, but when we think of modesty, we're thinking about clothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So immediately we go to this issue of clothing, clothing lines, and sexuality. Yes. What, um, is, what part of my body is showing? Is that modest? Is that not modest? That's right. You know, it can be largely defined by some cultural idea about what's acceptable and, and what isn't. And depending on what you're religious or ethnic affiliation is, it's going to have a different line, right? But often we have these kind of determinants of what's modest and it's very specific to clothing. Yes. yes. So because of that, um, I think there have been some unintended consequences of the way it has been taught. Yes. Um, that's right. Body shaming, judging, thinking mm -hmm. we're responsible for other people's thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. Should we be addressing this at all? Or like, meaning, how do we teach it? How do we teach modesty mm -hmm. um, without it being about clothes? Well, maybe I should maybe start with kind of what I think we do in a problematic way and then maybe what it means to do it in a, in a better way. I think, you know, I, um, as an LDS person, I wrote my dissertation on LDS women and sexuality. And so I was really looking at the way in which women had received messages within the culture um, mm -hmm. that gave a particular message to them about their sexuality relative to men's. And the dominant idea, and I don't, I'm not as authoritative on how this might be in other cultural subgroups or even in the larger culture, but for many of these women, they took the idea that basically they are less sexual than men are. And men are just barely keeping a handle on their sexuality. And therefore, women are the sober drivers in any kind of dating interaction or social interaction. Because huh. men, the kind of given idea is that men are just barely keeping a handle on this aspect of themselves. And so if you are dressed immodestly, if your sexuality is showing too much, you are tempting and undermining the self-control of a man. Right. And if you take it in the sort of extreme form, if you look at like more fundamentalist interpretations or fundamentalist Islam, for example, that's very much the idea of the burqa is that the group says sexual behavior should be restrained and women as the lesser sexual partners, or at least they ought to be the lesser sexual partners, they have to control men's sexuality through their dress, through the suppression of their sexuality. So that's the idea. And so therefore, the woman is unduly or disproportionately responsible. And I think in many 
Christian interpretations and, you know, less fundamentalist traditions, there still can be this idea on some level that men are more naturally sexual than women. And therefore, women ought not create these feelings in men, intended or not. And therefore, they should suppress and cover their sexuality as a way to keep men from behaving inappropriately. And this is problematic on many levels because, first of all, it's telling women or young women or girls even that they ought to control something they cannot control. No one can control the thoughts of men. Women in Islam and fundamentalist Islam who are wearing burqas are just as likely to be raped as they are in Western society. So it doesn't make women safer. That idea is just not true. So it's not actually controlling. It's not controlling what it said it's, it's designed to control. And in reality, if you are going to make women responsible for your behavior as a man, it's a contemptuous position. It's the idea that you are creating something in me that I don't want, therefore you are to blame for it, and you are responsible for it. That's a kind of contemptuous position that makes sexual devaluation more likely, not less likely. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. So we do have a lot of listeners who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so when it comes to that subgroup of people, um, I do think that there has been, you know, for sure a cultural component and a clothing element as well that I'm curious to know what you would have to say about things like that. Because for, for many, many people, we, me included, I feel like I was kind of raised being taught you know, certain parts of your body should not be shown and if, you know, whatever. And so, so can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, I I think first of all, modesty is a really, even the sexual modesty, let's put it completely in a sexual realm. Sexual modesty is a very valuable thing. Paradoxically, because it preserves eroticism. And we don't usually, we think of it more about trying to suppress eroticism, but modesty tends to create eroticism. So that is to say, what's so special about a sexual, ex- sexually exclusive relationship is that it's special, that I will share with you what I don't share with others, mm-hmm. that a part of me that is private to me, that I will allow it to be a part of us and who we are. And that's partly what makes it erotic. That's partly what makes it exciting. So one of the least erotic places you could be is a nudist colony. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people would often think, oh, that's where it's just all out there. But really, because if it's just normalized, it becomes de-eroticized. It's no longer special. You're sharing it with everybody. Everybody can see everything. So there's no mystery anymore. And mystery and exclusivity and specialness is what's at the core of our romantic erotic relationships. So modesty is a way of defining boundaries around non-sexual relationships, but also preserving something special for intentional sexual relationships. So I, I think there's certainly value in it. And there's certainly a kind of communication within how we dress. And that's true. Yeah. But what is not true is that you as the woman, let's put it in that way, are not responsible for what you can't control, which is the thoughts and behaviors of men. Okay, Men alone will control their thoughts and behaviors. And somebody could be walking around naked in front of a man, and that man is still responsible 
for how he handles himself in that moment that doesn't preclude his responsibility. At the same time, you don't want to treat girls or women like they have no power either. You know, you want to teach girls and women that they do have a responsibility to themselves and others around offering a self-respecting position in the way they behave, in the way they dress, in the way they interact with others, just as you would say to men. And so you don't want, back to this issue of moderation or, you know, the golden mean in the middle of this, is that you want to not be flaunting of your sexuality. You don't want to walk into a room and try to, you know, at a time when it's not appropriate to do so, be trying to, you know, flaunt or be provocative. Okay, because it's disrespectful. If you're in an exam and you're showing up in a bikini, okay, well, it's a distraction, okay? (laughs) And it's disrespectful, okay? Um, And so, yeah, you want to teach that one is respecting others, but you don't want the immoderation in the other way that you must suppress all signals or signs that you're a sexual being because, well, you are. And there is a self-respecting way to have that be both evident without it being flaunting. Hmm. That you can say, I respect myself. And I claim the dignity of who I am and my, you know, femininity and my femaleness without being disrespectful of others nor disrespectful of myself. So I think the fundamental framing is one of self-respect and respect for others, just as you would teach men. Men are more visual than women are. So I think it is a little different. It doesn't always make sense for us to say, you know, men should also cover up because it doesn't do the same thing for women as it does in reverse for men. Because I'm speaking, you know, as if men and women are all one thing. And I know there's differences between men and women uh, within the groups of men and women. But men do tend to be more visual in their sexual, how to say it, you know, visual cues are highly relevant for men. Okay, and for women, it's less so. It's more the status of the man, the kind of man he is, his investment in the woman. It is how he dresses, but it's not so much about being undressed as it is about how he dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but modesty and moderation and respect are also important for men in the true sense of the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so managing our sexuality in a respectful way matters for ourselves and others. But that's never going to be that you're responsible for how a man behaves. Right. Um, how can we teach modesty, you know, the, the concept of that mm-hmm. uh, without body shaming? Uh, yeah. Well, let me just think about that. I, I actually think it's completely antithetical to the way I think about it to be shaming of the body. In fact, it's a function of respect right. for your body for others' bodies, for your sexuality, to not reduce it or minimize it in a sense, Um, but to not feel insecure and anxious about it either. In fact, it's a way of saying, no, it's a wonderful thing. So you have nothing to be ashamed of, but there's also no need to trivialize it or to sort of, you know, use it to get attention. Because even that, even though that's um, tempting in a way, just as if you had a lot of money, it might be tempting to let people know that as a way to get attention, right? Or you've been very successful in something. It's tempting to let people know because you want the acknowledgement or validation of that reality. But it's 
it is to be disrespectful of others to do that, but also it's a way of trivializing who you are and not functioning in a way that you just deserve dignity and respect for who you are, not because of the things that you have or that you've accomplished. So it's a way of actually the only framing that I think really has staying power and has value is in the framing of respect. So I love that you bring up respect. I wanted to, if you want to share the experience with your little niece and I'm curious about this. Yeah. What are your your thoughts on this? I've got this little niece and she loves, I mean, she's, she's four Mm -hmm. and she's super comfortable with her body in general. You know, she's one of those girls that like wants to run through the sprinkler and strips down to everything, Mm -hmm. just her underwear and run around and, She's got this little Jasmine, very into Aladdin right now. That was a little Jasmine costume. <laughs> it bears her midriff. Uh-huh. And she puts it on and just, you know, I'm Jasmine. And sure. she runs around. And she had a friend over the other day. And the friend put on the Jasmine costume, also a four-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire time, she pulled down the top of the Jasmine because she was trying to cover up her midriff with her arms, with the bottom, with the top, any part of it was incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts sure. on that? There's four-year-old girls. How do you, is she just, do you think she was purely just like physically uncomfortable or it almost seems like she's already understood something? Yeah. Yes. No, like she may, right. She, it's hard to know, you know, this, first of all, people can be very different. Some are much more like, I want to be an actress and they like being out there and they like being center stage. And some people are more shy and, and neither one is, unhealthy necessarily they're just different stylistically and so that might be the only factor that's happening here it could be that the more shy four-year-old has already received some messaging that that this is not appropriate or that she's doing something wrong right so that's a possibility it's also possible that she does feel a little more uncomfortable maybe in her family she's not accustomed to ever having her midriff showing and so something about it feels a little bit off to her mm-hmm. and I think that's fully fine I think what I would be more concerned about because I think up until about the age of five there's a kind of natural immodesty yeah. <laughs> that's the way to say it like it's just, <laughs> you're just free you're in your body you don't really you're not thinking about the gaze of others uh-huh. you're not you're in this lovely unselfconscious state it's awesome. <laughs> okay. In the real sense. Okay. I think as you move towards six, seven, eight, you know, you become much more self-aware and this is when kids start to naturally want to inhibit. That is, they want to cover up more. They want their parents to not be in the bathroom, you know, when they're getting ready to bathe. And, and in families that are able to kind of support those healthy boundaries, parents will be very respecting of that. Mm-hmm. It will take clues from the child about you know how much privacy to afford them and i think that's really important to respect that because that's a natural progression away from the intimacy of parent young child into you know up towards adolescence and beyond so i think um so i don't have strong feelings about it because it could be a, just a personality difference mm-hmm. it could be they're already picking up on information about how they ought to be in relationship to their bodies and i think um it's important to make a distinction with children between the issues of privacy and respect versus um, kind of shaming of their bodies, mm-hmm. right? So it might be that you're running around with no clothes on and someone's come for a visit 
And it may not matter that you don't care at age five that you're naked, but it may be an issue of politeness, okay? <laughs> so you, a parent can make a distinction between it's not polite to not have your clothes on when people are visiting, so you need to go get your clothes back on, even though the sprinklers were fun or whatever. Um, and to make this issue of respect for others as, as an important aspect of this, but right. not shame of the body. A lot of times people try to lump these two together and mm -hmm. they don't belong together. Some people try to make the argument that we should be able to walk around naked because otherwise it means we are ashamed. And I think that's a very simple-minded idea that clothing is about shame. I, I just don't think it's true. Mm -hmm. it, it is about privacy. It is about... It is on some level something about self-awareness and self-consciousness symbolically, but I think there's, there is this distinction between private and public that matters to us and matters to our personhood, and I think that's 100% part of healthy interpersonal interaction. Yeah. So it is a little muddy, like in that situation you just said with the five-year-old being naked and then people coming to visit, when you tell them, please go get, it's time to get your clothes on. Okay. Sure. It is a, there is kind of a, like, I don't, I don't know if it's just like the feeling behind how you tell them to get their clothes back on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there, is there a dialogue that you would recommend? Yeah. Saying like, you're wonderful, this. your body's great and awesome. However, this is a non I mean, you could go through all that, but I think the <laughs> child maps the parent pretty well. Yeah. Because in a sense, what you're saying is if you're home and you're in the privacy of your home and you got in, you've gotten out of the bath and you've been sort of running around and you're four years old and, you know, I don't think it's shaming to say at a certain point, you know, hey, it's time to get dressed, okay? Or people are coming over and, hey, it's time to get dressed because all you're doing is saying, like, in the intimacy of home, there's a little more latitude. But in the public sphere, well, then there's some aspect of respect and clothing that needs yeah. to be engaged at a different level. And this is true in marriage too, right? You know, yeah. this is true in our the personal versus the private, the personal versus the public, I mean. Sure. And so I think that it's okay to do that and it doesn't mean – there's something shameful. You know, it's just a part of human interaction that you're going to make a distinction between public and private. Well, it's even like when I don't let my four-year-old son wear his pajamas to church. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, where there's a level of respect and appropriateness, and that's where we put our Exactly. Children. And it's not because pajamas are so shameful. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what's the meaning that's being communicated and and so I think the more matter of fact you are about that and the more rec resolved you are yourself, the more your children just instinctively understand it. Yeah. Boy, a lot gets just absorbed without us like being explicit, right? That's right. That's so right. Much. So much. That's right. Which then um, leads me to another friend question of mine. Uh -huh. She said she has a, I think her daughter was nine. She has a nine-year-old daughter who's in gymnastics. Uh -huh. They were going to get her a new gymnastics outfit and she wanted to wear a sports bra and bottoms. Uh-huh. Their midriff instead of a one piece. Uh-huh. And she and her husband didn't want her to wear have her tummy showing. They said they weren't comfortable with that, but she didn't know how to teach her daughter why. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I think it's a good question. And I think you know, it just takes some um, you can offer your values to your children and not shame. Mm -hmm. So you could as a parent just say, I I think I would be more comfortable if you wore something a little more modest than that. Okay. Now, the reality is the culture defines what's considered modest and immodest. And, you know, in Victorian times, 
that just even a one-piece gymnastics outfit would have been a scandal. Okay, <laughs> you understand? So the context defines what's considered modest and immodest. You can go to a tribe in Africa and every, every woman and man is topless and yeah. none of it's erotic because it's normal, yeah. right? And um, they would even consider it odd that we would sexualize the breasts, right? So it's done within a context. And so if this is 100% normal that everybody is wearing the sports bra and the leggings and there's nothing kind of, it's just a standard equipment of being able to do gymnastics well, you see, and if it has a purpose that actually does make it easier for her to do what she needs to do, well, then there, that's different. If it's, but at the same time, I would say you can hold a position of, you know, I think it, I would prefer that you put on something that's a one piece. And you can say it that matter of fact of just saying, it's better to be a little more covered if you can be. It's, it's not highly shaming. It's a way of saying, I value in the direction of more conservative think it's valuable for you to do that and you don't have to be shaming to offer that value just as you could say no mini skirt is not okay to your teenage daughter it's not okay with me so I think you can offer that as a value and saying no I think that's that that's not acceptable and you need to do some wear something that's more modest than that and I think you can do that without saying because boys are going to think things and therefore you're putting yourself at risk and you're responsible for their behavior just to say, no, in, in the larger scheme of dress, that's not acceptable to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's too right. sexual. Mm -hmm. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, it does seem that this topic and the way that we are discussing it has often been directed more towards girls and women than it yeah. has been to boys and men. Yeah. Um, but so I'm curious, is there a, should we be addressing it just to, I mean, I of course everyone, it's important for everyone to, you know, gain principles that are useful, but should it be yeah. talked about differently to different genders? It's a really good question. And I think it's a, it would be a little bit crazy to try to talk about it the same way because I do think it's different between genders. And I think, pretending it's not doesn't necessarily serve us well. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things we as women often know is that we do have the ability to capture male gaze, right? We do have that power mm. and um, for better or for worse, okay? And I'm not saying that we always like that gaze or that that gaze can't be intimidating, but I think we do understand we have the ability to seduce. We do have the ability to draw attention to ourselves. And so I think there's some value in acknowledging that's real and thinking about how to be self-respecting in that reality and also to be respectful of others in that reality. You know, to not use that capacity to exploit or to try and get something, right? Yeah. Um, I think at the same time, it's extremely important to talk to men about the fact that they are 100% fully responsible for their behavior at all times, <laughs> no matter how someone dresses, no matter how someone relates to them with their sexuality. And that um, that's extraordinarily important for their capacity to be in intimate relationships is to be in control of themselves and their choices. This is important in pre-marriage and it's important in the context of marriage. So I think you certainly can talk 
about the basic truth of the principle of not using your skills and capacities to basically exploit or flaunt or take advantage. And I think that's really true. And you can talk about the importance to both genders about the importance of being respectful of other people, uh, no matter how you dress, no matter how you behave, what you do with your sexuality, that in uh, that it's fundamentally important how you're in relationship to others around it. So what about um, kind of age appropriateness in terms of, is it, it seems that, you know, there's different levels of understanding and social awareness and things like that. Um, can you speak to that a little bit in terms of like, sure. how do you talk to diff- little kids versus, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, one of the things I think sometimes we do and we make a mistake when we do it is we start talking to kids too young about the idea of male gaze. Mm. We're teaching them not just about respect and so on. We're teaching them that they're dressing immodestly. And the idea is that, you know, they need to fend off male gaze. And I think that is paradoxically has the effect of sexualizing a child who has no sexual self-consciousness yet. Yeah. So I don't think you should be talking about respectful sexual interactions through the way you dress and behave and so on until someone has already has some sexual self-consciousness and is trying to navigate that world. Uh, because otherwise you paradoxically sexualize your children when you're trying to teach, protect them from being sexualized. Right, right. Right. So I think... Uh, when a child is prepubescent and it doesn't have a sexual sense of self yet beyond this embracing of their body and so on, I would tend to keep the conversations entirely about just self-respect and respect for others, privacy versus public, you know, and you don't even really have, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just because I have a daughter who's just kind of naturally modest. So maybe if I had a daughter who wanted to be a stage actress, I would have a whole different set of opinions about this because I would see like, this is harder to kind of navigate. But I think there's a lot to be said if you just function in a way that's self-respecting and you can embrace the femininity of your body and you can embrace, you know, it's desirability without being excessive or flaunting or trying to get attention through it you teach your children an enormous amount your boys and your girls your sons and your daughters about appreciating the beauty of the feminine form and not being ashamed of it but also not using it to be provocative or to exploit and so a lot gets communicated just in how you behave and in a sense the matter of factness of of the beauty of a of a emerging girl's form, at the same time you teach her to be respectful of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like some of these things it's sort of like the apples don't fall too far. No, they don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our yeah. kids really do watch us enormously, and and often what we do is way more important than what we say. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So the more important thing maybe is to figure it out for yourself. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Because I think. I absolutely think so, because I think a lot of us, you know, we're going to be up against our different situations with our children, and um, it's going to expose to us where we are somewhat unresolved around this, or how we've gotten problematic messages around this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had one of the women that I interviewed for my dissertation was talking about how her mother would shame the color of her underwear, would shame that she had kissed a boy at all, and then she'd kind of celebrate 
her son's sexual adventurousness, that he was kissing lots of girls, like never ever kind of shame the presence of his sexuality. And so when a daughter can pick up on that double standard and the high anxiety the mother has around the girl's emerging sexuality, it almost doesn't matter what she says about the gymnastics costume because there's this other larger message that there's a double standard in what we expect of men and what we expect from women and whether or not sexuality is acceptable in a man versus acceptable in a woman. And so the trick is, can I really truly um, offer the acceptance of my child's body and her sensuality and her sexuality, teach her to be respectful of it, just as I'm respectful of it in her and in me, teach her to and be respectful of others and not in any way shame this reality that's fundamental to her human, her, her humanity and also her femininity. So I think that's when you have that clear within yourself, it's just going to come through in the messaging. It's going to come through in the way you relate to this. And I think the more reconciled it is within you, it's almost more of a non-issue that it will be with your child because they've already sort of got it by watching you. They don't need to do all that. They're getting plenty of attention at home. They don't need to go get attention outside. You know, and the way a father relates to his daughter has high implications for how she will relate to her body and to boys. And when she has enough acknowledgement and approval and validation and investment from her father, her first intercourse will be much, much later than someone who's much hungrier for validation and approval. Mm-hmm. The girl that's hungry for validation and approval is going to use what she's got in a sense. And so she may well use her sexuality as a way to try and get it or secure it. And of course, you know, on the one hand, you can understand why she would do it. She wants to feel sufficient. She wants to feel valued. But it is paradoxically self-disrespecting for her to yeah. do this because she's saying, I must somehow offer my sexuality as a way to matter. And that's, that's tragic when somebody believes that. But of course, the opposite isn't true either, that you must suppress your sexuality in order to matter. Because a lot of times we offer that idea that, you know, the same idea of modest is the hottest kind of thing, like all covered up is somehow the best. And I don't, I don't think it's about suppressing either. Thank you for all of that. So, so good. It kind of makes it for me, comes full circle back to the definition that you offer at the very beginning that has absolutely nothing to do with sexuality. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or what you're putting on your body or showing or not. That's right. That's right. A mindset, more of a, how you conduct yourself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Are there any other thoughts on this topic that we haven't already covered? Yeah. I think we've basically said it. I think, I do think uh, the more uh, a mother and father are able to live in a way in which they respect themselves and they value their sexuality and a child can map that, that's not to say the child knows more than they need to know about the parent's Um, and their intimate lives, but they can map the comfort. I think that teaches the moderation piece in the most powerful way. Yeah. And so, again, I just think it comes back to kind of who we are and how we are in relationship to this question. And do you feel like um, kids, you know, we're talking about how they absorb it. Do you feel like children um, can gain confidence from seeing their parents be confident in things? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Because this is my parent and 
she's at peace with herself and she's comfortable in her own skin. And so I have a, I have permission to, to reside in the same place relative to myself. So if it's true comfort, yes, it absolutely gives a pathway for a child to, to move into a similar position because I am a part of this parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the more anxious, you know, often the way to even belong to the parent is to be in a similar self-hating position. Mm. Right? So, or who am I to surpass my parent? If she hates her body and she's super anxious about her sexuality, doesn't it follow that I should be also, right? Shouldn't I also, yeah. you know, kind of be at the level that she was at? And it's a strange kind of loyalty, but it's very easy to do it. Yeah, that is interesting. It is a strange kind of loyalty, but I can totally see how that, that, how, how that works. Yeah. Right. Who am I to do better than her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To decide what kind of relationship you want to have with that and realize that wherever you're at is going to be passed down to your child. Greatly on yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And another way to say it that's maybe a little more hopeful is the more you, the more work you do on this, the more you take away from your child, the less they'll have to do. Yeah. So the more you work something out, you know, your child, we're very, very um, good at mapping each other and reading each other and our parents specifically. So the more a parent becomes resolved and clear and comfortable and no longer, you know, apologizes for her body or, you know, covers herself up in, in two clothes that are too big and too many layers and so on and is comfortable, uh, the more the child can just borrow that idea without even it needing to be verbalized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to modesty having nothing to do with sexuality and. Mm-hmm. and yes. Yeah. Right. It's a way of being within ourselves and with one another. Yeah. Embracing our strengths, uh, not shaming them and not using them to do harm to others. Yeah. Which is a beautiful place to be. And I think. Yes. If we can all get there, the world would be a different place. Yes. Oh, it would. <laughs> and a lot of self-respect and respect for others. That's yes, key. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, so good. Lovely. <laughs> I think everyone's gonna love this episode. Yeah, so much information. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Hey, great. So see you again. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, I love Dr. Benlayson Fife. She's so amazing and. Let's just talk about what our favorite takeaways are. What's your favorite? I loved, just to start out, like her definition of modesty, how it was, you know, kind of like a, a humble confidence, not flaunting or exploiting, um, but having, being assured in yourself, not ashamed, just feeling comfortable and confident. I, I don't, I just really loved that, that ring true for me. Yeah. I loved it. I love that too. I like the being comfortable and confident part because I think that that those are good questions to ask yourself if you are ever wondering about, you know, making decisions on what you're going to wear or or anything else. Like, are you comfortable in it? Yeah. And can you feel confident in it? And, um, and does it, and is it, you know, uh, there is sort of that social appropriateness element as well. Um, I love how it talked about respect. Yeah. She talked about um, a lot of times we think about modesty as like suppressing um, our bodies and then like a sexuality. Um, 
But I like how she kind of talked a little bit about, instead you can think about it as it's kind of holding something um, special or like important. And that felt so much more empowering to me. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Along with like, you know, the respect and the confidence and the comfort, that is much more empowering than this thought of, um, well, in order to suppress or yeah, in order for you to show up the way you want to, your shoulders have to be covered. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah. well, no, but if you have that confidence and if that's how that manifests to you is that I'm com- confident when these are covered, then like, yeah, yeah, then, then that's who you are and how you want to show up. Yeah. Super good. Okay. Hope you all enjoyed this. And my husband just walked in. Say hi. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. I had no idea. This is how you chat all the time. So I had no idea you recorded. That's true. Really is Mark true. just wants a cameo. But really, this is kind of how it sounds to all of us all the time. Many times we have conversation. We're like, we should have recorded yeah, that. Husband, husband's want to be involved. Ryan just tried to call me as well. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, come back again. Subscribe. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Hey, friend. You've probably heard me talk about Anchor, the service I use for creating this podcast, but just in case you haven't, I have to tell you, it really is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit from your phone or computer. They distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many others. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. All you do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I am so glad you are here today. If you enjoyed this episode, will you please go and share it with someone and maybe leave a review. Let me know what you liked about it or tap a star. That would just be super cool of you. And you know what? If you have an event and you'd like me to come and speak at it, I would love to do that. You can contact me through my website, michellestevenette.com.